We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. It is now 8.07 here at WCCO. Welcome back. You are listening to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele, and I'm very interested about this next interview. You see, the new infrastructure deal passed on Friday is stacked with clean energy and climate change provisions, period. Now, all this during the COP26 summit where climate change is the focus, thank goodness. But we keep hearing a lot about having conversation, but what's really being done? Well, Professor John Abraham of the University of St. Thomas is joining us to discuss it. Hello, Professor. How are you? I'm doing great, and it's a pleasure to be on here on the air with you today. It's great to have you. Okay, so let's begin with what does COP stand for? Is it Conference of the Parties? Yeah, it's a weird acronym. It stands for Conference with the Parties, and basically it's a climate change conference that happens periodically where countries get together and they try to make decisions on how to move forward, uh, reducing our greenhouse gas emissions and solving the climate change problem. But it's just a, a conference with all of the com- uh, countries engaged trying to come up with solutions. Okay, so how long have they been, when was this formed, I should say, COP26? Oh, man, if I knew this was a quiz, I'd have brought my notebook. I think it was 20. <laughs> uh, sorry about that. I think it was 26 years ago. So I think we're okay. on 26th this year. And, and while they do these uh, organizations every year, the, this one is particularly important because every five years, the countries uh, at this conference try to come up with new emissions targets, that is, new pollution targets that we're going to try to hit clean up the environment. So this is the year where we're coming up with our new target. So you've heard, you probably heard about the Paris Accord, and you might have heard about some of these conferences in the past. Some of them, every five years, it's really important. And this is the fifth year. So this is a really important one. Uh, And that's why it's getting so much press. Right, exactly. It's getting a lot of press. And of course, we keep following um, the advice from a lot of the leaders, whether it's the UN, uh, other countries that are trying their best to do something about climate change. Yet, it it always seems to falter. We never get what they tell us we're going to get. We never get to the point where it's enough for us to just stop for a minute and say, yes, let's do that. Even if all the voices came together to do it, it doesn't seem to be happening. Do you see it that way as well? Well, yeah, absolutely. And in fact, in my uh, 20 years working in climate change, that has been the broken record story. Um, And basically, uh, a number of countries every year want to take action. But unless you get the biggest players, the biggest polluters agreeing to take action, you won't have anything happen. So so there's always 
it's it's always a struggle to get everyone in the world pulling in the same direction at the same time. Um, we had real progress with the Paris Climate Accord. Uh, and in fact, back then, that was about five years ago, the U.S. was an uh, international leader. And then, of course, a few years after that, we, we pulled out of the Paris Accord. So the biggest momentum that we ever had was after the last big meeting, but then the U.S. pulling out of it derailed the, the situation. So I am hopeful, and my, my colleagues and I are hopeful, that this will be the time the train gets on the tracks and starts going down the train tracks. But this has been going on 26 years, and you're exactly right. We have not had the will, the political will, to actually take action on this problem. It almost seems as though people are forgetting about it. It's like we've heard so much about climate change, but everything is going okay. We're good, so stop telling me about it. And, of course, there is that narrative where there are Americans who absolutely don't believe in it. Even though we are seeing the signs we were told about decades ago, especially when Al Gore came forward with um, the, the documentary, a lot of us were listening, trying to pay attention, yet people are falling back going, ah, now we're just fine. How do we start the com- conversation with our neighbors to say, yeah, we really are in trouble, yeah, we really are changing? You know, that's a really good question, and that's uh, a question that's bedeviled us for, for years, but I think we finally have an answer. Uh, we have an answer to get people um, all pulling in the right direction, and, and it's this. The first part of the answer is climate change is here and it is expensive. It is already expensive. So you've heard about these tremendous storms out on both coasts recently with flooding, especially in California. You've heard about the wildfires in California and, in fact, the western half of the United States. We've had Superstorm Sandy, Katrina. We've had a ton of recent hurricanes that have caused death and destruction. So we are actually seeing the beginning of the implications of climate change. We are spending about $300 billion, with a B, dollars per year because of climate change. That's just in the United States. $300 billion. And, and so the costs are real, and we are all paying the costs. But the fortunate thing is there is a way to solve the problem. And, in fact, we can solve the problem with today's technology. We know how to develop clean energy sources. Wind and solar, those are Minnesota uh, industries that we can generate our own energy. And in fact, Minnesota and, and the United States as a whole can be energy exporters. And we can do it in a way where we're not going to pay extra for our energy. I mean, look, if you, could, if you could fill up your car with gasoline or if you could charge your electric car with electrons, but the electric car costs half as much as a gas car, who would pick a gas car? I mean, right. the technology is so good right now that we can simultaneously save the environment and save money. And that's what makes me optimistic, because people who are skeptical about the reality of climate change, they generally are still interested in saving money. And, and so that's the real success narrative that, that is emerging. You know, climate change demands that we have the infrastructure in place to make sure that those electrical cars that we all should be driving will will have the um, stations in order to pull up and get it done. I don't want to pull into a station and have to wait two hours to, you know, (laughs) put back the uh, electrical energy into my car. So Mm -hmm. we don't have the full capacity of the infrastructure that we need to make this work. Why don't we have it yet? Well, it's actually coming on really fast. Um, so you'll find that most people who have EV vehicles just have a power cord in their garage, and they just charge overnight. 
So I've got an electric vehicle and I've got solar panels on my house. So I don't pay anything in gas. In fact, every month I get paid for my electricity. I don't pay. I get paid because I'm selling my extra electricity onto the market. So not only am I driving a car for free, but my electric bill has gone away. And, and so people are using home charging stations, which are very easy to install, very cheap, or they're using charging stations at places of work. Um, the, the real hiccup for electric vehicles is making long-distance drives. It's very hard to make a cross-country drive in an electric vehicle. That, that technology is not there yet. But if you are driving your vehicle just to work or on shopping errands, and then at the end of the day you're going to park it at home, an EV is a great way um, to, to not only save money but also save the environment because you just charge things overnight. But the short answer to your question is the infrastructure is coming on quickly, and uh, we're already seeing a revolution in the way car companies are planning their future vehicles. There are car companies who are planning to go all electric in just a few years. So the, the transformation is coming, and we don't want to get caught behind. We want to we be on the leading edge of this transformation. We're already severely behind <laughs> from the readings up and looking at the articles. Uh, but at the same time, I do think that we have a chance to make a change with it. I just want to make sure that we are all very clear what it means to have an electrical car. Even though you can fill up, just plug it in in your garage, that's great. But if you live, you know, 40 miles from here, from the Twin Cities, but you work in the Twin Cities, that's a whole different story. You're going to absolutely need those stations to stop at and fill up from time to time. Yeah, yeah. That And, and different green energy technologies work for different people. For some people, it might be an electric car. For other people, it might be investing in wind power. There's, but there's so many different ways that we can generate our own energy and, and power our lives that it, it, it's not a one-size-fits-all. We can find solutions that match your lifestyle. And I don't, have you ever driven an electric car? No, I've been in one oh. and watching I'll my friend <laughs> drive it. And I said to her, nope, not yet. <laughs> I'll tell you what, you come over to my house. We'll, we'll plug my electric <laughs> car into my solar panels. We'll sit out at a bonfire, have a glass of wine, and, or, or we'll drive my electric car around town, and then we'll have a glass of wine. And I'll tell you what, once you drive an electric car, you will never go back to a combustion car. They are zippy and sexy cars. Um, and, and it just goes to show that, we can solve the pollution problem and not, you know, not lower our standard of living. We can drive zippy cars. We can have, you know, warm homes. We can, we, we can have all the amenities that we want. But if we're smart about the way we generate energy, we can have those amenities and save money and save the environment all at the same time. And that's how we get a win-win situation. I understand that, and it makes a lot of sense when I hear it. At the same time, you and I both know that as we watch other countries, just like us, doing all the damage or most of the damage around the world, um, it's really um, frustrating that we are not further ahead. It's as though some of these other big gigantic countries like China and others that have already moved forward. Um, I remember our president, um, former President Barack Obama, who said, look, we need to get into this job. We need to get into this business. You know how it went. And there were people that kept saying, you know, in, in our legislature, oh, my gosh, you know, we should, but we won't. We, we, sh we should, but we won't. And I get so tired of hearing that. When are we going to do enough in this country to make sure that we're not polluting the planet more and well, more every day? 
Yeah, so, and, and that's a really good point that you made. I do a lot of uh, energy work in the developing world, mainly in Africa. And if you want to buy solar panels uh, around the world, you are buying Chinese solar panels. And it's because we've lost our leadership position. Listen, I want to sell Minnesota-made energy products around the world. I don't want to have to buy solar products or wind products from other countries. We are missing out on a tremendous economic opportunity because we're not leaders. The world is hungry for clean energy. They're hungry for reliable energy. And it's a huge market opportunity. And we're missing out. And it's, it's really a travesty. And I hope that we can get our act together. And I think this infrastructure uh, bill is a great way to jumpstart our clean energy economy. At the end of the day, whoever owns the clean energy economy is going to be really, really wealthy. And I, I would like that to be U.S., and I want Minnesota to be a major player, and we can be. Well, you know, I tell you, when Forbes uh, listed their top 200 billionaires, and you realize that there are over 4,000 to 5,000 billionaires in the world, and most of them in countries like the United States and Japan and China, I mean, it is really remarkable how little we are getting done when we should be getting done so much more. Are you excited then about what Congress has passed with the Biden infrastructure plan, which is the largest climate change investment in our history, finally. But is it enough? Well, I'm ecstatic. Um, it's not enough, but it's, it's a lot. I mean, it's, it is an excellent way for us to jumpstart our own industries. And I am hopeful that when people see the return on investment we get, not only with cleaner air and water, and, and a cleaner climate, but also with the income that is going to come to us because of our investments. I'm, I'm hopeful that when people see that, they'll realize that investing in the future energy economy is a winner, both economically and environmentally. Hello? You know, we used to be the ones that were the thinkers, the ones that were way ahead. Um, can you hear me? Uh, can you hear me? Yeah, you just broke can up. Can you hear me, Professor? Yeah, yeah, I can. I'm here. Can you hear me? I'm so sorry about that. Forgive me. Uh, we've been having some technical. Yes, I can. Can you hear me, sir? I can. Yeah, I can. Jonathan, are you there? I am. Yes, we can, can you hear, hear you, me, sir? Yeah. yeah, I can. Can you hear me? Okay, thank you very much. Yes, I can. Okay, so here's the thing. We've been having a few technical issues tonight. We're going to fix that, of course. So I apologize to you, sir. No problem. Time is valuable. But I do want to say this. As we've been moving towards, you know, getting the climate under control, we've got the sequoia trees, I believe, in Redwoods, you know, that, that are part, a huge part of our ecosystem. And we're starting to see that they are failed trees because of this gigantic fires that are happening. Where do we continue to go? In what direction? Because the directions are multiplying. Well, um, I think what we have to do is we have to focus on the end game. And the end game is to produce the energy that we need to live our quality of life here at home, but also to develop the economies and the industries that will deliver that clean energy to us, help us save money and the environment. I mean, we, we, we have to create. We, well, and in fact, we don't even have to create it. It's already created. We have to recognize that clean energy solutions save money and create jobs and save the environment. And so at the end of the day, if we can jumpstart these industries, especially industries housed right here in Minnesota, we can become leaders and clean up the environment at the same time. And, and that's actually 
then it's game over because there would be no incentive to continue to invest, invest in fossil fuels if you can get the same energy at a lower cost with wind and solar and hydro. So clearly we, have, we, we, we are going to have climate change. Uh, we, we can't stop it, but we can make it less bad. And, and to make it less bad, we have to do two things. We have to adapt, which means we have to make our infrastructure stronger, more resilient to storms um, and, and weather disasters. But we also have to mitigate, and that's to lower our emissions. But we can do those two things at the same time. We can adapt and mitigate at the same time. And if we're smart, we will end up creating those jobs that are highly skilled and high, uh, high pay in the future. And you believe we um, have a chance that we have enough time to correct the, the evils of, uh, against our planet? Well, we can't stop. We can't totally stop climate change. If we, if we stopped our emissions today, there would still be some climate change. So we can't stop it. We can't roll back the clock. But what we can do is make it a lot less bad. If we do nothing, then the world that our kids are going to grow up in will look very, very different from our world. But we can do something, and we can change the trajectory of the Earth's climate. We can't totally stop climate change, but we can make it something that we can live with, and that's really the goal. I love your optimism, sir, and I appreciate all that you have given us and told us about. We are seeing a climate changing. It is before us. It is happening. It's been happening for a while, and people are finally waking up to it. If our, um, in a capitalist society, uh, the challenge is, is there a place for climate change to correct what the, the wrongs of it? Is there a place for that within the model of capitalism? Boy, that's a really good question, and um, th- I, I'm I'm confident that there is, but the only way that capitalism or a capitalist uh, market is going to help us solve this problem is when people realize that it's actually a money-making opportunity as well. And when people realize how much money can be made by developing the wind power, the solar power, the hydropower, then I'm hopeful that capitalistic forces will come in and create those products for us. Um, So I'm hopeful the the economics are right. I mean, when wind and solar is cheaper than coal, that, that means the economics are right. And, and there's no incentive to delay uh, installing um, clean energy products and to, uh, there's no incentive to delay bolstering the clean energy industries. And, and capitalism has a role in that. I mean, there, there's, a, there's a role, there's a legislative role there's a role for laws that reduce emissions or taxes that, uh, that incentivize people to emit less. But there's also a role for capitalistic forces to come in and deliver the products that we need. And, and I'm optimistic because, as I said earlier, the economics are now there, that you can actually make money and make business while you're saving the environment. And that's why I and my colleagues are so optimistic that things are finally beginning to change. I tell you, one of the terms that we hear a lot about uh, today is justice and reconciliation. I wish we could put that within the frame of of climate change and say, hey, we need to deliver justice and reconciliation for the planet. That would be wonderful. Uh, Professor Professor John Abraham of the University of St. Thomas, thank you so much for joining us tonight. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Take care, sir. Bye. All right. We're going to come back in just a moment. 
We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. And Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Listen to every MLB game live. In the deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. Watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at-bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field. It's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at-bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission. Welcome back to Steel Talking. I'm your host, Geraldine Steele. It is what I love to do on a Sunday night is be with you. It is now 8.33, and as we uh, fall back and spring forward every year, you know, I wonder what that does to the way of our life here in Minnesota and as well as other states here in the great, um, in, in the United States. And then what about the cost? I mean, what is it? Ha- what happens to us when we keep changing these things where there's a lot to talk about? Um, because daylight saving time may be the right thing to do is to cons- reconsider it and have Minnesota go to a standard time all year long. Yeah, did you hear that? Daylight saving time to be reconsidered and have Minnesota go to standard time all year long. Well, State Representative Mike Freeberg is a believer in standard time, and he's joining us now to address this topic. How are you, Mike? I'm doing well, Geraldine. Thank you. How are you? Uh, I'm doing well. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, what other states have um, daylight saving time? Well, sure. Just just to correct what you said at the outset, um, I've actually introduced a bill that would put us on daylight saving time permanently. So right now, under federal law, uh, states have the ability to go to standard time permanently. Um, however, the trend in several states is to move to uh, permanent daylight saving time, uh, which is the time we just left from yesterday. About uh, 19 states, including Minnesota, have passed laws that would put those states on uh, daylight saving time permanently. But for that to happen, we have to get authorization from Congress in Washington, D.C. So there's bipartisan support for it. Um, I've been seeing tweets from various uh, U.S. senators of both parties saying we need daylight saving time permanently. Um, So uh, we passed the bill here in Minnesota, so we're just waiting for Congress to act at this point. I'm happy to talk about why I think it's a good idea, too, if you'd like me to. That's the next question. Why do you think that this is the right decision? Sure. Well, um, you know, it's it's mainly just as a parent. I find the clock changes really disruptive. Like when my kids were very little, I remember trying to uh, sleep train them. And, you know, we'd get to a point where they were sleeping for, you know, a few hours on the end and waking up uh, at a reasonable time. Um, and then all of a sudden, for no reason, I could tell we'd change our clocks and everything would get disruptive. So personally, I don't care particularly whether we go to standard time permanently or daylight saving time permanently. I know there are people who have 
strong opinions on both sides of that debate. I just thought um, with the trend among states going towards daylight saving time permanently, uh, you know, we'd be an outlier kind of if we didn't do that. And there are benefits specifically to daylight saving time, you know, to having more uh, daylight in the evening. Um, you know, there's benefits to traffic safety. Uh, you know, uh, traffic tends to be more dangerous uh, in the afternoon, so it's good to have more light in the uh, in the afternoon and evening. Um, so, you know, crime has similar factors, and I think recreation and commerce just tend to benefit too when you have more evening sunlight. Yeah, one of my concerns are the children who go to school you know, on the buses, and it's dark when they leave, and they're standing at the, the bus stop, and it's dark when they come home. Um, so which would benefit the children, the parents, you know, trying to make sure that they're picked up in a safe area? As you know, some of these uh, communities just don't have enough light um, for, for some of the buses to make sure all the children have been picked up. So I'm always concerned about that during this time of year. Sure. Well, there is a movement, I mean, to start school times later, and I certainly support that as well. Um, I mean, it, you know, unfortunately, certain times of the year, especially in a northern state like Minnesota, there just isn't enough daylight in the day, regardless of what time you set the clocks at. So um, you're either going to have some more darkness in the morning when they're waiting for the bus or in the evening when they're coming home. So, um, you know, I think we'll be able to, you know, we've been, we're, an adaptable state and we're adaptable people in Minnesota, I think we'll be able to to figure out safe ways to do it. And I know many school districts, including the school district, you know, my kids go to school and are looking at later start times too, which I also think will help. Mm-hmm. I think Minnesotans are pretty clear on the pros and cons of this. Do you think there are enough cons for us to do it? Uh, well, like I said, we've already passed a bill um, in Minnesota to move us to daylight saving time permanently. So all we need at this point is, um, authorization from Congress. So I don't know. I think, you know, I hear from a lot of, you know, so a lot of people I feel like just feel, just want to get rid of the time switch and don't particularly care which time we go to. Personally, I consider myself in that category, but, you know, I've heard from a lot of people who like the extra evening sunlight, um, particularly in the summer and want to, and don't want to leave daylight saving time. So that's what the bill um, I've introduced does. Um, You know, I certainly, there are people who prefer, um, standard time permanently as well, um, but uh, you know, I I think I think I think the ge- the general consensus is the time changes are disruptive and we need to get rid of them. So uh, I don't know. I just kind of feel like we need to pick one. The bill I have picked, the bill I introduced, and that we passed picks daylight saving time as the permanent option. As I keep um, hearing you talk about this, I say to myself, what about the people that are sitting there going, no way, I like it the way it is, let's keep it that way. You really want it the other way. So let's talk about what it really means to us as human beings uh, to have it the way that it is. Um, I understand that sleep patterns are affected by the time uh, changing. Is that true? Yeah, I mean, I'm not a neurologist, but I, you know, I've I've been talking to various uh, news outlets about this lately, and they've had you know, sleep experts and neurologists um, on the show as well. You know, there was one who said, you know, the biggest problem is the clock changes, um, you know, and that's extremely disruptive to um, people sleeping. And, you know, there's like a greater instance of heart attacks and stroke just after the clock changes, whether you're talking about the fall or the spring. Um, So, um, you know, so he said just getting rid of the clock changes would be beneficial. I, you know, the one, the one I'm thinking about, he said he preferred 
daylight, he preferred standard time, actually. He felt it was more in line with people's biological clocks, but he said just even going to daylight saving time permanently would still be an improvement over the current system. Well, I tell you, they always ask, um, how much does it cost? You know, how much will it cost us individually? How much will it cost the state? Uh, whether it's the markets, how they are done, um, you know, just our economy, how are we affected if this change happens, the change that you want to happen? Uh, well, I mean, we have a process in the legislature where, you know, each bill is evaluated for, you know, potential costs to the state. Um, and, you know, this, this bill had no, you know, the fiscal note for this bill showed no cost. I mean, there's a cost to changing our clocks right now to the state. So um, I would think, you know, actually just having one time throughout the state and not having to worry about changing our clocks would actually save, would save money. Well, I want you to know I am so on board with this. So I like your idea. <laughs> I don't like changing all the clocks in the house. I really don't. But that's so minute. As long as I know that it's not something that's going to damage us in any way or change our economy or change the way we do things, um, then I'm all on board for that. And so you are hearing from the constituents as well as those outside of your district. You are hearing that they want this. They're saying, yes, let's go forward. Uh, yeah, I'm hearing from a lot of people who want this. Um, like I said, Definitely, I would say a majority of the people I hear from want to get rid of the clock changes. Um, within that, some of the people I've heard from want to go to daylight saving time permanently, and I have heard from some people who want to go to standard time permanently. Um, so, you know, whatever, you know, assuming, assuming we do get rid of the clock change, whatever we go to is probably not going to make everybody happy. But I do think on the whole, just, you know, picking one time and staying with it will, will benefit Minnesotans generally. And I think there are a lot of people who will be happy, who do like the evening sunlight and want to go to daylight saving time permanently. Well, we sure appreciate you joining us tonight, sir. Thank you for sharing your thoughts on this. You have worked very hard to try to make this change. If it happens, how soon will it happen? Do we, uh, will it happen very quickly and the next time we go the next round and next year, uh, we know that we won't have to do this? Well, it happens twice a year, so the next time we just won't have to do it. Yeah, assuming Congress passes the, the bill at the federal level, then the next time we switch to daylight saving time, which would be in the spring, uh, mm -hmm. we'll just stay on that permanently. How about that? How I can imagine what your smile will be like on that day. Thank yeah, you so much be... for joining us. Thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. All right. That is State Representative Mike Freeberg. And if you want more information, of course, you can go online and check it out. Carrie Levin did an article about it as well as others. Or you can just go and visit uh, to see who um, uh, this representative is and what he believes. Mike Freeberg. All you have to do is go to www.house.leg.state.mn.us. All right. We're going to take a break. And coming up, of course, uh, we're going to finish out this half hour and then we're going to do center stage. All things arts and entertainment. We just believe you ought to know about it. We'll be back. Welcome back to Steel Talk, and I'm your host, Gerilyn Steele. Hope you're having as much fun as I am. Um, I know, Jonathan, you and I have not talked about this Travis Scott and Drake concert at Astroworld. Did you hear about that? Yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's a very uh, highly known news story at this by this time um just with everything that happened and uh how tragic this whole thing is 
It really is tragic. And I'm trying to figure out how in the world did this get out of control? You read these articles and it doesn't seem to be that the security was on top of things. There were people trying to reach out to security, trying to get them to say, hey, don't you see this? Don't you see what's happening? And they didn't do anything about it. This kind of goes back to there were a couple of incidents that come to mind with this type of event and this type of seating arrangement where it was kind of general crowd seating. There was no reserve seating. There was no uh, it was kind of all general admission and first come first serve and that sort of thing. And the one the first one happened in Cincinnati. I think it was back in 79. Wow, that far back. Yeah, oh, th- there have been incidents before uh, where this has been a problem. And one of this was for a, uh, a a Who concert in 1979 in Cincinnati. And I I can't remember the particulars right now. I actually watched a retrospective on this. Uh, I think it was back during the early in the pandemic, watching YouTube videos and, find, you know, finding things to, to look at. And I had known about this before, but but the people in Cincinnati, one of the news stations, did a very deep retrospective on this, like an hour-long, hour-and-a-half-long retrospective on that whole incident. And uh, several people were killed as they were – Eight. As, Eight people were killed. No, no, no. And, this and, was the one in Houston. I'm talking about the one oh, in Cincinnati. Okay, okay gotcha. Uh, where, so, so the same number, though, this time happened as well. No, 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 no. I, no, it was, I, it was more than that in the Cincinnati. I'll have to look this up. Uh, the other one, I'll get to this real quick, was at a soccer match. And another retrospective that I watched on this a few years ago, uh, a soccer match, a football match in England where they had the, this sort of these pins. Kind of think of like pins that you would keep cattle in or horses in, these kind of pins on the outside of the stadium. And people were trying to use those. or That, that was kind of the way to get into the stadium outside of the gates and so people were pushing these pins were closed off for for a period and there was just a mass and a crush of people and this became a very infamous incident in the world of uh, british soccer and and again dozens i believe dozens of people were killed in in that instance but i'll have to look that up real quick I keep trying to figure out how is it that these incidents keep happening. It may be a music festival. It may be, you know, something else or a big dance thing or, you know, I don't know why it keeps happening. And, of course, there are lawyers that are just waiting. I mean, they there were lawsuits uh, that were put forth like that night. That night, people were just saying, oh, no, I'm suing them for this. So to know that it's happening, it's still happening. We used to hear about a lot of concerts where there was violence and people were stampeded, that sort of thing. But this is even worse in in the sense of how many people died, how many people were hurt. Um, And to know that it happened at Astroworld in Houston, I believe. I just I don't know why this sort of thing keeps happening. If they don't have enough security, they ought to know that they don't have enough security. Maybe they're not talking to the people that plan this and are successful with it. Um, but it's a it's a real challenge. I remember in England, and I can't remember the stadium uh, where so many people were hurt that night, um, and the stampede was just awful. I can't remember this, what it was. That's you? that's what I was talking about. That's the that's the incident that I was talking the second incident that was called the Hillsborough disaster and mm-hmm. that was at Sheffield uh one of it was a it was a 
match between Living Liverpool and Nottingham Forest in 1989, April 15, 1989. Uh, 53,000 fans were were in the stadium. Uh, I'm trying to scroll down here to get to because this is a long story. No, I'm thinking about the Ariana. Uh, oh, Ariana you're thinking about Grande. Manchester. Now that was yeah, a diff- that Manchester. Was- that was a little bit different because that was a terrorist incident. It that, was. That was, it was a terrorist incident. That was yeah. off of that um, the the bomb that ignited, I believe. Right, right. And it was a bomb. It was. Uh, you, you, well, you, I guess what I'm trying to say is that I'm blown away how many people go to concerts, especially the gigantic concerts. Right. It's amazing how many people go and they just go, I trust that I'm going to be safe. I trust that I'll be f- fine. I don't even know how to plan for an event like that, except whenever I go into a large venue of any sort, I start looking for the doors. Where do I go? You, you know, what are my exits? exits? Yeah. What am I? Uh, the exits, yeah. I start looking for the exits. Be aware of your exits. See how far they are. If there's one that's further and they tell you that's the door you're going to go out of, find out another door, Right. Just figure it out. You got to watch and, and really learn about these. They have all the schematics um, of all of these big venues. You can literally access them on the web. So look around and say, okay, I want to make sure I go through this door. I do this. The the big challenge is with COVID, the pandemic, they lock up doors that you would think are not locked, but they do. Yeah, it's, and I'm not saying that they did at this one, but they do. Well, this this was an outdoor event. As far as I know, th- I thought this was an outdoor concert. I thought it was indoors. So, so kind of like um, now they um, said they Lizzo. said Astro World, but I I didn't think I was wondering if it was Astro World versus the Astro Dome. I didn't know if those were the same thing because because it's the Astro Dome that is the building, but Astro World I I'd, I'd never heard of that before in Houston, so I didn't know whether it was the same thing or whether it was different venues. Maybe we have it wrong. Um, you know. Live Nation was in charge of this, so it could have been an outdoor thing. It kind of like Lizzo at uh, Treasure Island, you know. There was a lot of people there, about 20,000 people. And it's really fun to be outside and watch a great concert, but if there was a stampede that day, that would be horrible. Thank goodness it didn't happen. But to know that this many people died, I'm still trying to figure it out. How in the world does this keep happening in our well, nation? And, and that's that's the, the question that, again, after the Cincinnati – because. What what Cincinnati happened at the Cincinnati Who Council? That was December third, nineteen seventy nine. They had this thing called like the stadium seating, the stadium reserve seating, and it was again a, one of those first come first serve type of things. There wasn't reserved places, reserved tickets that you could have a seat set up for you. So that kind of changed that whole dynamic after that tragedy happened of how seating happened at these concerts. And so I, I, you're right. It's been 40 years after that happened, 40-plus years. It's been 30-plus years after, after what happened in Sheffield. Um, you, you could also look at, again, a different circumstance, but the, uh, the Paris um, concert hall that – they had, I think there were some people that, that rushed out and, and might have gotten trampled, but the, the terrorist attacks in Paris where one of those attacks happened at a, at a nightclub where a concert was going on. And so uh, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't have any idea of how you can try to open it up more to the masses than just you have a seat, you have a seat, that's all you have. 
but try to be as safe about it as you can because once you open it up to people, they're going to say, well, I want to get to the front of the line. I want to experience this as close to my body as possible. Right, right. And that's that's very real with concerts, outdoor concerts. People really want to um, get to feel and get to know and get get a sense of who this artist really is because they are moved by the music. They're moved by the performance. But, man, you know, if, if it's going to be outdoors – um, you, you're, gonna, you're not going to have the same kind of options of where people should go, directing people back and forth. It's just, to me, it's harder than being inside of a building, but I could be completely wrong. No, you're, I, I think you're absolutely right. And it said on the website for this festival that it was an NRG park. So okay, it, yeah. that's not NRG Stadium. That's not where the football stadium is. Well, it says here is. at the bottom of this article I'm looking at, it says a Texas attorney on Sunday filed that lawsuit, uh, which, was all, which also names NRG Stadium agent, Harris County Sports and Convention Corporation, accusing the defendants of prioritizing profits over their attendees during a concert in which a surging crowd killed concert goers ranging in an age from 14 to 27. So... I'm going to try to look that up and make sure that I'm clear on it. So there is a difference between NRG Field and NRG Stadium. I believe there is. I'm, I'm, I'm trying to look that up myself, and it's not being there, not knowing Houston like some other people do. Mm-hmm. I mean, Shaletta may know this. Shaletta oh, yeah, Brunis she's is from, from that area. Born and raised, yeah. But, but I, I don't know that myself. I'm a bit confused on where that was because I thought this was an outdoor venue. You may be right. Um, you may be absolutely right. I'm not sure. Um, and I've been trying to look through several different concerts. All I know is this was awful. It was terribly awful. This was this was horrible situation. And if it's out, if it was an outside venue, to me, that makes it all the more just horrific. Yeah, I tell you, it's uh, hard to sleep when you hear about something like this. Because you know your babies, you don't have any, of course, but your children, your grandchildren, all these young people that want to go to these concerts, you know, what are their parents going to say the next time when something this big could happen and you worry, okay, are they going to be safe? That's the big question, that's for sure. All right, Jonathan, of course, coming up next will be all things arts and entertainment. We call it Center Stage. You don't want to miss it. Have a lot of great guests joining us. Stay tuned. We'll be back. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. 
Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 